Hey everyone. If you didn't know, A Child Walks in the Dark is also a collection of poetry, and it is out and about and available from Harbor Editions as of now. So if you're liking the podcast, these fantastic conversations I've gotten to have with these folks, and you like the poems that end each episode, consider picking up a copy of the book. We can, all of us, I think, uh, use as much poetry in our lives as possible. Thank you. A Child Walks in the Dark, a podcast hosted by award-winning poet and author Darren C. Demery. Each week, Darren and a series of other parents and creative careers join up to discuss a different theme or challenge to raising children. Their joy, their narrative and languages, their lineage and authorship, their small towns and cities and hopes, their community and efforts to save and be saved. Each episode explores the role of a creative person as a parent as they attempt to navigate the world their young people are growing into. This week's episode is on Oscar 2, and our guest is Tommy Dean. Tommy Dean is the author of two flash fiction chapbooks, Special Like the People on TV, Redbird Chapbooks 2014, and Covenants, ELJ Editions 2021. Hollows, a collection of flash fiction, is forthcoming from Alternating Current Press. He lives in Indiana, where he is currently the editor of Fractured Lit and Uncharted Magazine. A graduate of Queen's University of Charlotte MFA program, he is currently working on a novel. A recipient of the 2019 Lusco Prize in Short Fiction, his writing can be found in Best Microfiction 2019 and 2020, Best Small Fiction in 2019, Monkey Bicycle, and the Atticus Review. He taught writing workshops for the Gotham Writers Workshop, the Barrel House Conversations and Connections Conference, and the Writers Workshop. Find him at TommyDeanWriter.com. Now, Darren and Tommy Dean. Uh, and, and as promised today, uh, and, and our second straight flash fiction uh, expert, uh, author uh, Tommy Dean. Uh, and Tommy, between, between you and you and Kathy Ulrich, uh, I, I think we've, we've sort of cornered the market in terms of uh, uh, flash fiction genius. We need, what do we need? We need Kathy Fish. Kathy Fish, Meg Procrass. Uh, yeah. We could, we could, and just, you know, we're, we're becoming a subculture in a subculture. And I, <laughs> I love it. And I, I think that's a good thing. Um, and the, the topic, the theme for today is uh, a mask or two. Um, essentially, how our children become all of these different people as they try on all of these things. Um, different personalities, different hobbies, different loves, different names. Um, you you'll appreciate this as as a fellow. Now I know it's Tom, but it, was it Thomas? Thomas officially, yeah. yes. So there's a Thomas in my house that has gone through. He was Thomas, and then he was Tommy Bacon. Love and it. Then, and then he was Stu the Green Knight, <laughs> and he just kept changing it every week. And I really just held on to those. And it's it's fun and it's cute, but that's what they do. This is this is how children develop. They take yes. on these different things. Um, so tell me how how have you um, 
as, as, as a dad, how, how has this developed for you and, and how have you seen your children change over, over the years like this? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, my daughter's name um, is Elena, but we've always called her Lainey. Um, and we didn't go with that as her main name just because it's not as formal, but we've always loved it. And then she hit a point in like second grade and she was like, I'm going to be Elena now. And we were like, okay, but we're still going to call you Lainey, right? And she was like, oh, I don't know. And, and so we have tried to adapt in some ways and not call her Lainey quite as much. But we love we love the name and we love the, the idea of the little personality that she had uh, growing up. Um, with that uh, kind of nickname. And so uh, a lot of her relatives still call her Lainey as well. So we're all trying to kind of adapt to this new, more formal, formal name, which is different than what I did as a child. Um, I went from Thomas very quickly to Tommy. In fact, my mom calls me Tommy Dean a lot, like all okay. together. Sure, um, sure. And she's not the only one. It's just a name that kind of bounces. Right. Um, and so I have never went in that direction of being more mm -hmm. formal. Um, and then my son's name is Pacey, which is not a typical name by any means. Um, it, it, it's not that far off from something like, you know, Casey uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, Tracy or whatever. So it's not that yeah. different. Um, but he's always felt, you know, a little different anyway, because he is the baby of the family. And most of the time, babies do react very differently. Um, so he hasn't necessarily had a lot of nicknames because his name already is kind of nickname-ish, I guess, mm -hmm. in that way. Um, so that's kind of just a brief evolution of, of my, my two children's names, I guess. Sure. Well, it, it's, it's a thing where it starts out as you want, you want to be unique. Uh, you feel unique all the time. Uh, and then there's four Jonathans in your class or yeah. there's something. So my, my wife's name is Emily and they had, you know, multiple Emily's in her class. And so, you know, everyone, someone went with M and someone went with, and everyone had their own incarnations. And I got confused because my dad, um, his full name is Duff Dirk Demery. And I just, Whoa. I just, felt, I felt him cringe a little bit because he's practiced as a lawyer as D Dirk Demery his entire yeah. career because he didn't like the name Duff. Right. Um, so in middle <laughs> school, I, I had the same inclination. I was like, you know what, Darren's not great. So I'm going to go by D Christopher Demery from now on. And that's, <laughs> and I, I tried it on one paper and my all time favorite, she was a history and English teacher named Mrs. Hansen went, absolutely not yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no you I'm don't not, get to claim that <laughs> no i tried on one thing and it didn't work but the name thing and and why i started there is it's it's indicative of how many changes they end up making and sometimes it's it's a formality thing it's no i'm i'm a grown-up now you you don't yeah. see that right um or it's um you know i've made this decision and and the name decisions are always predicated by some other life decisions they've made. Uh, yeah, something in the, yeah, the egeist or whatever that we don't even know and they don't even necessarily know that just feels different for them. Um, and, and, you know, as a writer, like names have power. Mm -hmm. um, they create, you know, when you make a character with a name, you give it a soul, right? It's the mm -hmm. same way when you name your kids, you have these certain hopes and expectations that you put with a name. You know, we don't have an Emily or a Jack because there were so many of them. So we did pick names that were a little more um, 
not abnormal, but a little more, you know, not used as often just so they, they would already be safe <laughs> from being sure. named like everyone else, I suppose. Um, but then also they do, yeah, you know, eyebrows raise uh, every once in a while when they when they state their names to, to other people. Well, and if you're if you're doing if you're doing what is my my all time favorite thing about parenting is they say something like that. They say a name change. They say something outrageous. And then I'm just quiet. Yeah, because I know there's this thing to follow. There's always there's always a tail on that tiger where it's going to come and they're going to explain more than they ever intended on explaining exactly what's going on now and why they're thinking what they're thinking. And if you if they say the thing and you smile at them and give them room, then that you talked about writing, the full character presents itself. They yes, give, yeah. they give the whole thing. It's fantastic. Uh, it's amazing how often being quiet and waiting is the best approach. And I don't think that I knew that before I was a parent by any means. I think in some ways I thought I was going to give all of these, you know, great advice or all these things. But a lot of times they're the ones teaching me more about life um, and the pressures and the tensions and, and just the way to, you know, to be joyful and have fun. Um, and, and part of that is, yeah, stepping back and, and being quiet and seeing what kind of fun explanations they're going to come up with. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'll speak for myself here. I'm a very anxious and weird person and, you know, but I will find stillness for my children. I will sit yeah. and smile and work through um, you know, my, my desire to, to keep talking at all times almost yeah, because, because it's them and I'm fascinated and that makes them feel weird. If you explain it like that, yeah. <laughs> I am yeah. all the way in on whatever is happening in terms of like, I can't wait to see what happens next. And it's terrifying and fascinating. And I, you know, and I'm, it's almost like you get to like the cliffhanger of your favorite show and my children are my favorite show. And I'm just <laughs> right. kind of like, Oh if man. They, if they only knew how big of fans we are of yeah. them. Um, uh, on one hand, it might be a little cringy. My daughter is, is 10 and is already moving towards this tween type attitude and hanging out on her, her tablet and um, those kind of things. And so it would probably be a little cringy for her, <laughs> but yeah, if they only knew, I mean, if we only knew how much our parents were our fans when we were little, there's just no way to, to know that and to carry that into adulthood. I, w I wish that we could. Yeah. Um, I think we'd all be more empathetic people in general, um, sure. just because we've had this great outpouring of love that we can't ever quantify on the scale. And I don't think you realize that until you have your own kids and you become such, you know, big fans of them. And they're like, Oh, wasn't, were my parents like this? <laughs> they must've been. Well, and I got, I got asked a few weeks ago because, you know, bedtime is madness and there's, there's baths and teeth and there's like a second dinner or third dinner that always happens <laughs> and you're trying snack. Everyone. Yes. <laughs> and one of them said, it might've been Thomas went, you just want us to go to bed so you can watch the movie you want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, you know what, buddy? We might, we might watch a movie, but do you know what we do as soon as you go to bed? We like huddle up and we're yeah. like, we talk about you guys right. as we're figuring out the next day and <laughs> how, you know, this is happening for you and this is happening for your sisters. And that those are the discussion because it's, it's, 
parenting is not just a full-time thing. It also becomes a hobby. It becomes a narrative. It becomes all these things. Yes. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, we, me and my wife spent this morning over breakfast before the kids got up talking about, yeah, my son's personality and what he may or may not do for jobs. And we've probably done this a hundred times already and he's six uh, and we'll probably do it a hundred million more times, you know, as they get older and, and start to actually pick classes and those kind of things. But yeah, we spend a lot of time um, talking about our kids and, and their personalities and, and where they are now and where they might be in the future. Well, and, and we're getting to the, the point where Isabel's 12 and a half. And this coming Friday is the first middle school dance. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there will be like six or seven girls coming to our house to get ready to walk because we live a few blocks from the oh, school. Sure. And then they're all going to get ready and go to the dance. And then there's going to be a sleepover and this whole thing. And she's honestly in the last week started walking differently. Like she's carrying <laughs> herself in a way. Yeah. And you can see her trying on this first version of adulthood. Sure. Um, and she she is legitimately the most responsible person in the house anyway. Yeah. Is she the first born? Great. Yeah. 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 And so she she'll sort of hip check us on some things like don't you think we should really you know yeah <laughs> um, she likes to lecture teachers about recycling and things it's fun um but to see her try on um you know it's a different kind of clothes she got for the dance and it's yeah. a different kind of personality and it's the first time she you know there's never been a talk of boys or girls or relationships or anything like that sure and she's being proactive about it. And she's essentially saying, oh, no, no, no. I'm just there. I'm there with my girlfriends. We're That's just, right. Yeah. You know, just to have just, a good time. Yeah. We're just going to dance. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what you see when they're when they're doing these things and, and taking on these new personalities, um, I think it's easy to try to manipulate. I think. Uh. To yeah. try to put up boundaries instead of opening doors, you start to close doors. Yes. Um, and I, when I when I wrote the poem and when I came up with this theme, I hate to minimize that idea of that they say they're a different person now. Yeah, I think that's it, hard it, to do to let to let them fully inhabit whatever temporary creature they might be. Yes. I, well, I think there's a certain fear of the heartbreak that's going to come from this at some point um the possible dangers that may or may not come from relationships and those kind of things and, and just all the mistakes that like we made or we watched other people make when we were that age and how we want to yeah protect like you said put boundaries up like listen i know the possible boundaries and you can keep them from not experiencing the other happy things that can happen that could be different than the way that it happened for us um, when we were that age as well um there's just so many experiences that can happen that are all different and wide-ranging i mean this is one of the reasons i write and this is also one of the reasons i tend to write about characters that are 12 13 14 15 because there's just so many possibilities um, and so many ways that the characters reveal themselves, right? And not not that our kids are characters, but they are going to reveal themselves at this age. Um, 
and you do want to be like, okay, I want you to reveal yourself and I want you to be you, but I also want you to be the safest you there could possibly be. <laughs> and we know that that safety doesn't always provide the enriching experiences that it could. Mm -hmm. it, especially that age, that's the age where there is no predictive text, right? Right. There's, I mean, even if you've been following along the story the whole way, each decision comes with it like it's its its own ecosystem. It just doesn't, it comes out of whole cloth every time. Um, and once they get past, I'd say my youngest who's four, other than the, the change in, in moods and surprises and things like that, you pretty much know exactly you can you can put together the day in a way yeah. that it'll go if if the food is at the right time and school's at the right time and all these things. But once they get to, you know, nine, 10, 12 and a half, like, though, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't necessarily know what the triggers are. And I don't think they do either, just because so much is happening, you know, with hormones and, and their their mental capacity and all and there's all just, you know, growing larger and wider. And the world in some ways is getting so much bigger um, for them as well. Um, while we try to say, you know, like a four year old, like your world is only this big and I get to control for the most part, right? the size of that world. And, and now we don't get to control quite as much when they get to that age. Um, and I think it depends on your, your personality um, and just your general personality, but also your parenting personality. Mm -hmm to see like how wide you're going to allow that world to yeah, be. Yeah. And, and I hate the fact that like, there's still that word allow because you know, mm -hmm. they are becoming their own person. So shouldn't they be able to be free with that? But then there's the whole, the whole idea of, of my main job is to keep you safe. And like, when does that start to like bend away or, you know, get chinks in that armor that, that are, that are good and could be positive. Well, and you've got, you, as a parent, you sort of have a default setting and mine is to be silly almost all the time. Yeah. And I, I think that fits in with a four and a nine and sometimes the 12 year old. Um, <laughs> but there's there's moments of gravity already um, with both the nine and 12 year old where yeah. you, you need to take what they're saying as seriously as an adult says it to you. And then, right. And then give them room to explain and it and it's hard and you gotta you gotta you gotta shift your what your default setting is so quickly that sometimes it's it, it's it's difficult yeah really really difficult uh, i always talk about this all the time because i used to be a special education teacher for a middle school and like my job there was to get them through the day through the moment through the class period and at home you have this idea of like, well, my kid won't do this or my kid will do this that you don't have as a teacher um, where you maybe allow them to be actually a little more freer at school than with your own kids sometimes, just because you have expectations of, of what you hope your kids will be doing at this age, but also as they grow up, um, where it's a lot more freer at school, like, oh, you've already kind of chosen some of these paths. I'm just trying to help you maintain, you know, do the best that you can through your assignments, but also just like be here in a really safe place at school. And so um, I've grappled with that a little bit that like, oh, why am I more, why was I more patient at school where in some ways it was a higher stress environment. Right. Um, but those kids weren't coming home with me every day. Um, and so it, parenting can have this weird embarrassment factor that we have to be careful of sometimes that it's like, 
oh, is it about what the kid's doing? Or is it just embarrassing me? And if it's embarrassing me, then like, can I figure out a way to let that go? Because it may not be fair um, to our kids at all. Um, and that's taken me, well, my daughter's 10, still working on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's one of the things where once once those things develop at home, once there's actual challenges and sometimes actual danger, um, to not overreact um, is, is, is really hard. And what I'm trying to figure out, and I, I think I'm getting to the point where I'm more comfortable with, you know, letting them do the whole narrative, letting them tell me exactly all the things they need to say, and then not, not take the moment to make it a corrective thing, yeah. but to say, you know, this is how I experienced it and give them room. What's, what's difficult is I want to say that I want to say, here's what I went through and here's what you should do. Yep. As opposed to this was my experience. This is how I handled it. This is how I wished I'd handled it. And then just leave it hanging. Yeah. Yeah. And, and cause I, I'm afraid cause the 13 year old, I'm, I'm Tommy, I'm, I'm freaking out a little bit and how, how to handle and let her become the person she's going to become as safely as possible. I, I mean, cool dad thing be damned. I don't care about that. I just want to not yeah. get in the way of her doing that. And all these little, you know, all the mask or two, all these little things she's going to try to become. Um, and I'd hate to be the one, I don't know, to take away that energy. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to be the one to take it away either. And so it's, yeah, it's that large balance between safety and then you also in the name of safety <laughs> being right. the one that takes away um, the possibilities of, of what could be. I mean, we all know that like there's small moments that we don't even know in the moment that it can really change your life for 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 better or for worse, obviously. Um, and for the better ones, if you don't get those opportunities and kind of what happens. And again, as a writer, you know, obviously I'm thinking about all the millions of possibilities that there are for our characters. Um, it's very much for us as well. Like in some ways, like the world widens way open as you get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, but it also starts to narrow in a lot of ways too, by your choices. And you just don't want to be the one that's like, I don't want to live. I don't want my kids to like, be me living through their life and channeling them towards a certain thing you know like i thought my kids would be way into sports uh because i was way into sports and that just seemed like a natural thing for me and it was an escape for me um but then like my body started to kind of break down i have fibromyalgia and i can't actually play sports with them and so like that's something that's totally different than what i thought it was going to be when I first, when we first had kids and they were really young and I was like, Oh, we're going to play baseball. We're going to play basketball. We're going to do all these things. Um, and actually both of my kids are way into acting and musicals and Broadway and I love it. And it's great. And they are showing me what they can do versus me kind of helping guide them to what I thought they were going to do, what I did. Well, and that's right, something I, I ended up doing, um plays and musicals when it wasn't baseball season and i absolutely loved it and that's something that bell started in she was just uh molly and annie jr and oh um, hey my daughter played uh molly and, and annie we have a theater here that's uh it's not a regional theater it's a little more than a regional theater because we bring in uh rising juniors and seniors in college so oh, wow. they are on their way to broadway so mm -hmm. she got to be in like 
a Broadway production and she was Molly at age that's seven. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but when, when, when they start to act and when they start to actually do like character work and they become these little other people, um, it was, you know, for like four days a week, she was yeah. Molly and she had yeah. different shoes and she wore different clothes and yes. And um, they're sassy and they yeah. <laughs> get to sing. Molly's got some attitude. Yes, she does. <laughs> Um, but that's gotta, that's gotta be great to see them trying the different things and getting to, I was so I'm a bit of a ham. And so like yeah, yeah. Getting, getting to perform and do things like that. I always loved, I could never sing. I would always right. get the best, yeah. best part that didn't have to sing. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, I never really great. acted myself. Like I said, I was mostly in sports, but I, yeah, I love to sing, but I can't sing at all, but we sing all the time. Like we always, me and my wife are always like, are there other families that just break in? Like, cause all we need is just a bit. And every one of us knows what comes next and we all break into to song. And so that's kind of where our, our connective tissue is <laughs> in Broadway. Um, you know, we've got, you know, my, my seven-year-old knowing all the lyrics of Hamilton for better or for worse, <laughs> and yeah. maybe not our best parenting choice as far as some of the language and stuff, but it was something that, yeah, we were able to connect with. And I think as a writer, I love it because like, I love characters. And so now we can talk about characters and my daughter knows stuff about like how characters are developed in plays and, 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 and uh, musicals in ways that other kids like, it's always about like what the parents are into, right? Like you see like the Ninja Warrior people and then you see their kids doing all that Ninja Warrior stuff, right? Or there are parents that are really into racing and so their kids go to the racetrack every weekend. And so you're modeling all that and you're shaping all that just because of the way that your household works or the interest of the parents, um, which I think is always interesting when kids either take that on, which is really cool, or they start to break away from that. And, and, and we'll see if, if, and when, like my son may or may not, you know, he kind of does some plays cause he likes to act like his sister, but will he break away from that and be totally different? I don't know. That was the thing that surprised me because of uh, a childcare <clears throat> thing. Thomas had to go to all of Bell's rehearsals and the school was cool with him hanging out for that extra hour and a half. Mm. And he ended up, I thought he was just going to be reading graphic novels or on his computer the whole time. Yeah. He got into it. Yeah. Like he knew the, he knew the words, the songs, the same way that she yes. did. And then we asked him, we're like, you know, it's a few years till you get to do it, but do you want to do play? Do you want to do it? And he kind of demurred and was like, oh, I don't know. And then yeah. the next time she was singing one of the Annie songs, he was right, right there with her. My son was the same. We're like, hey, do you want to be the wagon wheel is the name of the theater? And we're like, hey, you want to be on the wagon wheel someday? And he's like, no, nah, I don't think so. But then, yeah, he's singing along. He's doing his own plays in front of us. Um, it's very different from my childhood where, like, my parents loved me and they spent time with me, especially my mom did all kinds of stuff. But, like, you didn't perform in front of the parents. Like, even when I was playing basketball, like, they didn't watch me out you know, in the backyard playing basketball or right. at the park, if it wasn't a game, like we did stuff with other kids and then we did stuff by ourselves. Like we didn't have an audience, but my kids love and demand <laughs> an audience. Um, and so that's been a, a real kind of, it's a great shift, but it's definitely been a shift because there are times when we're like, like you're just playing, just play. You don't need us to watch you. Um, do a play like you're yeah. you just can just practice it but they they definitely want um they definitely want that kind of um 
family parental watching, um, which is very different than my own childhood. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's great. Just, just some, some kids, and I, I respect the choice. Some kids don't want you to look at them. Yeah. Some, some yeah. kids just are like, you know what? I've, I've got, and that, I think that itself becomes a mask sometimes. I think um, solitude and I don't want attention. And I just, I found a way to be comfortably me. And yeah. I don't necessarily need you to check after me. Um, that's how I am as an adult. Like, don't, you don't look at me. You don't have to talk to me. I have a book. Um, it used to be basketball. Like, I will just shoot free throws for hours, and I am fine. But my two kids, yeah, they definitely um, like to be observed when they're when they're doing stuff, which is which is great. But it, it is like in some ways, like you said, a different mask than the mask that I put, that I put on myself. Well, and I, you know, I get. I get myself geared up for things like this or geared up when I'm at the public library and geared up for readings and things like that. And then I'm very quiet for a while. Yeah. And my son is so wildly different. He's charismatic all the time. Like he's yeah. the cool guy. Yeah. I was never the cool guy. Uh, my mother jokingly and lovingly referred to him as a potential great cult leader. And yeah. <laughs> she's like, everyone just kind of follows Thomas around. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's that's one way to think about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's always a double a double edged sword of any yeah. kind of personality in some ways. But you want it, you want to see how that how that develops and whether or not he finds uh he likes the quiet just as much, or if he if he wants to perform the same way your kids are performing and my oldest has performed, but I don't know. I think it, I think it makes us better parents when it's as much allowances as can be. Yeah. Um, and you know, you want, I think so often parenting gets framed as no and decision-making. And I think, uh, you know, the improv nature, the, the yes. And the, yeah. Um, well, what are we doing? What are we yeah. doing now? Right. Um, you know, I think that, I think that continues to open things up yeah it's definitely an exciting way to do it uh to do parenting and and and, and we i didn't even know what this was a thing but we are more of a gentle kind of parenting in a lot of ways so like okay let's talk through you know how you're feeling let's validate how you're feeling and then let's see what we can do like to problem solve and all those kind of things um and we just kind of fell into it just because it felt more natural to put our kids on an equal emotional level in a lot of ways uh, and, you know, I worked at a daycare when I was in college and stuff. And, and like I said, I was a special education teacher. Um, my wife is a, a fourth grade teacher. So all that comes kind of naturally to, to listen to kids, right? Um, and you wouldn't think that that would be a hard thing, but it really can be a hard thing sometimes um, to just get away from yourself and let them show you the way. Um, it is the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> I believe so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're for better or for worse. That's that's what we're that's what we do. Um, and it can be a lot of fun. It can also be frustrating as well because sometimes they think that they are definitely on your level, and they can tell you <laughs> as as a as a pal. <laughs> you should really do this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some days we can do this, but we can't do this all the time. <laughs> well, and it it. It gets loud and loud is fun most of the time. Yes. Um, but I mean, one of one of the one of the ways that I learned 
empathy, one of the ways I learned how to best listen and um, develop rapport with other people was how quiet my house would get. My house would get like scary quiet. Yeah. And you would sort of, uh, there would be like an emotional weight all of a sudden for no reason at all. And so I think that's how I learned how um, to pay attention to physical and emotional cues from different people. Yeah. I, I feel like my kids, um, I don't know, it seems genuine. I feel like I faked my way into an empathetic person. Yeah, there you go. And, right. and there, there is their, their, they love each other and they're engaged on that level of, well, this will make them happy. So I'm going to do it. Right. And I don't, I don't know. You know, I feel like that's, that's the better way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, mean, no, I, I think of... we all pick it up. It's, it's survival instinct. And it's also where we try to find ways to make connections with people and, and hopefully we're opening up those for our kids. I, you know, I don't know. Right. I mean, hopefully, yeah, you're modeling that way of, of listening and, and wanting to listen and wanting to pay attention and, and not always distracted. And so hopefully they'll take that out into the world as well. And, and not only be empathetic, but like be open to understanding people of, of different cultures and different ways of doing things. Um, and I mean, because that is how we grow as people. Um, and, and we have this big responsibility to help kids grow. But at a certain point, they do have to kind of go beyond our set beliefs or ways of doing things if they're going to truly you know melt meld into this this person that they're going to be um i mean my 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 dad was an alcoholic and so we didn't get it didn't get quiet it would get really loud um and it would feel very uncertain um and so i try to have the you know, the opposite of that in our house, um, for it to be very kind of certain and very kind of there and very kind of everyone doing things together. You know, you know, there are times when it makes sense not to do things together, but as much as, as it makes sense to, to do that, to be together. Um, cause otherwise like, yeah, why are we doing this? Like we had dreams of getting married and having kids and having a family and, and, and there are hard times for sure. Um, but as much joy as you can, can have and, and make in your household, um, it's just, just better for everyone. And as much as, as much as the loud moments can be joyful, um, you know, cause I, as you said, your dad got loud. My dad got, could get very loud very quickly. And, mm. um, my, my whole, one of like the bedrocks of my entire parenting has been, I'm never going to speak to you above this voice. Um, and if I need you to listen to me, then we're going to make things real quiet. Um, you know, that's when like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put the iPad away. Yeah. We're going to do this because this is one of the teachable moments. This is something where we can learn. And I don't think you're going to learn it. If I yell it at you, I think <laughs> no. you're, you're going to learn it. If I talk to you like this and you talk to me at the same level, and then we figure out, and it, it, I think it creates a weight without an oppression, you know, I, cause I, I feel like that's, I don't know we're, I mean, we're, we're dads talking about dads and you learned so much from the way you were parented. And <laughs> yes. I feel like my whole thing is a direct reaction to the way that I was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then trying to be, you know, 
different from that in a lot of ways. Um, just so that, yeah, the next generation, when they're parents, hopefully, yeah, they'll, it'll just get quieter. <laughs> hopefully it'll just be quieter and more empathetic <laughs> all the way, all the way along. Um, because yeah, I can't guarantee that, <laughs> that I don't necessarily get loud, uh, cause it does happen. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's parenting is always failing, but then always trying harder to make up for the failures. Um, and I think that letting go of that ego and saying you're sorry, um, like that didn't happen a lot, um, in my home necessarily. Um, so I try to make a point of, of, yeah, being willing to, to say sorry. Well, um, say this is this is hard, and I'm trying very hard, and I I did that I did that part wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, the, it's difficult when it's all the time to not to not make mistakes. Oh yeah, constantly. I mean, we always make mistakes with everything in general, anyway. And knowing that failure is the path towards success, or at least better things, I think is just so important. I mean, we get that from writers, right? Like we know we're going to fail almost every time we go to the page, but we're still willing to do it because we know that there's something worthwhile at the end of that. And I think parenting is the same kind of way. Like writing can give you an idea of the patience that you may or may not need. I, I think too, where it's a different kind of generation as well, where like we were yelled at a lot, probably by coaches and teachers and parents and all those kind of things. And that seemed like the way to do things. It was almost like there was a generation that said nothing to their kids. And then those next parents decided like, well, we're not going to say nothing. We're going to say everything and we're going to say it loud. And we're going to make sure that you hear what we're saying. And now it's like a little quieter and more specific, but more open, hopefully. I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting that, that right. I could, should probably only speak about <laughs> this no, generation that I'm in. Of, lots, lots of coaches yelling, you are soft as butter and then spelling out butter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah. And uh, you know what? You, you, you brought up writing and I work better with an editor, Tommy, uh, if we could have parenting editors, if we, Oh my gosh, please. Some, yeah. <laughs> someone who's got, you know, like 30, I guess, I suppose that's what grandparents are, but like 30 years or 40 yeah, years of like, right. Okay. Let me tell you how this can play out. <laughs> if we could have some super nanny, right. Yeah. Like that would come along um, and have mm -hmm. less ego about mm -hmm. parenting, like the same ego that you need to have about writing where you're constantly okay. trying to make it better. Um, oh, that'd be amazing. I would take that. Now I when think. he comes back and says this to you again, right. You better... <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He, here's, I, yeah. Here's where you jumped in way too soon. Here's, you here's, held here's back. a whole career for someone. You just gotta, that's right. What books you need to read, what degrees <laughs> you need. But a parenting editor would be great. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. If there was a Grammarly for parenting, like Ooh, I could just input. Yeah. <laughs> what should I say here? And it would just spit it out. I don't know. AI is getting better and better all the time, right? There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, this is and 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 you know, I wanna I wanna thank you for talking today because to be honest, a lot of these conversations and getting to hear um these ideas processed through someone else has honestly been a big um it's been a big editing to me it's been you know it getting to hear other people talk about their kids with as much intention um and love as i try to bring to mind it's been fantastic and so i you know tommy you're 
you're great at what you do, but it was oh. it's, it's fantastic to hear you talk about your kids in this way. And uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, Alina Stefanescu and I were tweeting back to each other about um, trying to have these conversations and, and trying to keep them, you know, non-judgmental and generative yeah. and like, oh, well, maybe that's something I could try. Or maybe that's something, um, and kids that are younger and kids that are older, it's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm determined to keep learning. Right. That's all we can do. I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to talk about this. I know I brought it back to writing a lot, but that's just, yeah. it's just who I am. Um, and yep. it also, I think it does inform, uh, my parenting in a lot of ways too. And I don't really necessarily get to have these conversations except for like maybe with my wife or my sister or my brother-in-law. So yeah, it's been pretty cool. Um, just thinking about, how I try to parent, but like how my kids are teaching me all the time. So, so often uh, parenting conversations are essentially like highlight shows. Yes. Other parents. You, you won't believe what my kid did. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, the, the TikTok of parent yeah. conversations. Right. But, but to take a moment and think, well, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen next. And I'm afraid, but I'm fully engaged and um it, it's I, I i gotta believe at least 75 percent of it is being fully engaged and yes yeah engagement means everything and and being engaged yeah like you said when you're afraid <laughs> and the other 25 percent is dumb luck and having a partner who's way smarter oh than way better yes <laughs> way better <laughs> i will not speak for you um oh no you you are trust me <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Tommy, I, I very much appreciate you talking to me today. Um, and bef uh, before we go, let people know how to, how to get the, the new book. Uh, yeah, the new book. Um, you can get it from my website has a direct link to it, which is just TommyDeanWriter.com. I'm, I'm all over Twitter for better or for worse. So you can always find me at TommyDeanWriter at Twitter. Um, it is from Alternating Current Press. You can also get it from their website as well. Um, and, you know, I do write about a lot of these these kind of moments with, you know, uh, adolescents and parents and, and, and kids and their parents. So might be a, a, a great kind of <laughs> discussion starter. Well, and I got to give you a quick hug at AWP and it was good to see you. So on the it book. was good to see you, too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, before we go, I want to thank uh, Emily Caldwell, who records uh, the voiceovers, the introduction for the podcast, as well as the band Pagination um who recorded the intro and outro music their album this next ohio is based on the book and it is incredible tommy you're the best i'll, awesome. I'll hopefully thank get you. to see you soon yes you too thank you so much Bye bye. bye, -bye. A mask or two. I told my children a mask or two is flesh enough to keep your bones out of the fire. And I love all of the people you will try and fail to be. And I love all of the lies you will tell yourself. And I love you for lying to me about who you are and want to be. As long as you are always searching for that person, I will say all of the names you give yourself. As long as you are living, I will hold every incarnation of your world as part of my own.